Hello and welcome to another episode of NJEDA's eConversations podcast. I'm Alberto Garrido, a bilingual communications officer at the NJEDA, and I'm excited to host this special eConversations episode to commemorate Hispanic Heritage Month. During this eConversations episode, you'll hear from Luis de la Oz, chairman of the statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey. Luis is a driven leader dedicated to making a difference in the Latino business owner market. With a track record of supporting not-for-profit organizations and partnering with corporations to facilitate community outreach programs. Luis is passionate about supporting small business owners because of his own journey as an entrepreneur. He routinely serves as an advisor for Latino entrepreneurs, providing his expertise uh, so business owners and corporations can feel confident to get involved in the Hispanic community. Luis is the SVP Regional Director of Community Lending for New Jersey and New York at Valley Bank, and he's also an active member of the Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey, the Middlesex County Regional Chamber of Commerce, the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce, and the Middlesex County Office of Workforce Development Notary Public. We're also joined by Raymond Lamboy, President and CEO of Latin America Economic Development Association, LAEDA. Mr. Lamboy has been President and CEO of LAEDA since December of 2007. As a second-generation owner of Lamboy Furniture Company, a family-owned business here in the city of Camden since 1970, Mr. Lamboy brings a unique perspective to the economic development mission of LAEDA. Mr. Lamboy believes that the future of the city of Camden rests in strengthening and growing the city's business community and empowering individuals to own their own businesses. Mr. Lamboy holds a BA in economics from Rutgers University, has been certified by Main Street, New Jersey as having completed the Downtown Revitalization Institute, a year-long training program, and has attended national training conferences hosted by the National Main Street Center and the local initiative support corporation for urban sports. Diana Negron, our own policy advisor here at the NJADA. Diana is a policy advisor within the policy and data analytics department here at the EDA. She's a graduate of Rutgers University, based out of Newark, for both her undergrad and her graduate school, and is currently pursuing her PhD. Diana has worked in local and federal government with a focus on equitable development, and her current work at the ETA focuses on policy, entrepreneurship, and economic development. And we're also joined by Monica Martinez-Milan. Monica is a wife, mother, and entrepreneur, owning several businesses with her husband. One of them is the Stumpy's Hatchet House of Greenbrook, New Jersey. She's also the co-owner of two real estate development companies, Elmsgate LLC and Tyrell Group LLC. Owning several businesses and working in the corporate sector for over 16 years has given Monica the tremendous insight on strategic planning, customer service, and the important perspective of needs in the small Latinx business owner. In 2020, the statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey appointed Monica as a board member, for she actively serves uh, the Latinx uh, familia. Uh, she's also a board leader of corporate and social responsibility for Latina Search National. Well, this is a great, great, great panel. I'm really glad to be with all of you. So let's start with a bit of history. National Hispanic Heritage Month, the reason we're here, is observed every year from September 15th to October 15th by celebrating the histories, cultures, and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, Central, and South America. As the push to recognize the contributions of the Hispanic community gained momentum throughout the 1960s civil rights movement, in 1968, President Lyndon Johnson started commemorating this thriving community by celebrating Hispanic Heritage Week. 
And in 1988, President Ronald Reagan enacted into law Hispanic Heritage Month to cover what is now a 30-day period. New Jersey boasts the seventh largest Hispanic population in the nation, with about 1.7 million Hispanics residing in the state, which represents about 3.1% of all Hispanics in the United States and about 19% of New Jersey's total population. 2018 Latino total economic output, or the GDP, was $97 billion, larger than the entire economic output of the state of Hawaii. And that same year, the GDP of Latinos in the U.S. was $2.6 trillion. Rapidly growing economic contributions of Hispanics living in the United States is tremendous and does not seem to be slowing down. With an estimated 120,000 Hispanic-owned businesses in New Jersey, the Latino footprint in our state is as significant as it has ever been. Which leads me to my first question for Louise and Ray. What do you consider to be the most significant contributing factor in the overwhelming growth of Hispanic-owned businesses in New Jersey, and what needs to happen to keep this trend going as we continue to recover from the economic effects of the pandemic? Please, we can start with you. Thank you very much, uh, Alberto. I, we really believe that entrepreneurship is the best way that we have for our community to overcome poverty. Latinos, we have five times more chances to save money when we start a business versus if we find a job. Now, the reality is, if you pay attention to every crisis since the financial crisis in 2009 or 10, after Sandy, after Irene, after every crisis, Latinos start more businesses because they don't have the ability to stay unemployed for a long period of time. The majority of those businesses are considered micro-businesses. They have less than five employees, including the business owner, and they generate less than $250,000 on sales or assets. But we do believe that is immigrants, we are 30% of the New Jersey population, but we account for almost 50% of the main street businesses. That means that people come to this country for many different reasons, but they are overqualified or they are not able to access to the economic fabric of the U.S., and for that reason, they start a business, could be a restaurant, a beauty salon, a barbershop. Those are the, probably the most common ones, a bodega or a corner store or a, uh, or a supermarket, because that satisfies the most immediate needs of our community. I do believe that entrepreneurship is on our blood, but I believe that we start more businesses out of necessity. Actually, Latinas start businesses six times faster than any other ethnic group, just because, you know, Women are very responsible and they are able to multitask. And we have a great example here with us today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Louise. Uh, Ray, the same question goes for you. What do you consider to be the most significant contributing factor in the overwhelming growth of Hispanic-owned businesses in New Jersey? And what needs to happen to keep this trend going as we continue to recover from the economic effects of the pandemic? To echo some of Luis's comments, I, I, I agree. I mean, immigration, combination of immigration and second and third generation Latinos here in New Jersey are really a groundswell of uh, entrepreneurs in the state. Um, for, from my experience, entrepreneurship is the equalizer, regardless of education, attainment, uh, financial background. Uh, entrepreneurship really comes down to the your grit and the, the fire in your belly to get to be successful. I mean, traditionally, uh, in Latin American countries, entrepreneurship has really been uh, the, the economic system, really. 
I think about my father and his brothers and sisters coming from Puerto Rico in the 1950s. All of them were entrepreneurs, whether they had a furniture store, bodega, vitamin shop, you name it, they were in it. They were in it, and there was 15 of them. <laughs> so going forward, myself, my brother, you know, we were all entrepreneurs in our own right, and it's a tradition within our community. And, and to echo Louise's comments, you know, sometimes entrepreneurship is a is a path of of necessity in the sense that a lot of our Latino brothers and sisters don't have access to a higher education due to their their immigration status or have access to other opportunities that other people would have. So starting a business is their their their, their first best option. So when you talk about the pandemic and coming back from the pandemic, one of the things that I, we learned in our organization we've observed is how unprepared a lot of businesses, not just Latinos, were for the reality of, of pandemic and government assistance and the, the recognition that doing business in the, in the, in the appropriate manner, uh, can, having good records and so on and so forth has really come to the forefront. So information and access to information and, and good, good advice is the key to seeing this trend uh, continue into the future and up, up, up and away. Absolutely. Thank you for that insight, Ray. As we all know, financial assistance can be crucial to the survival of a small business. At the NJEDA, we have been making tremendous effort to guarantee equitable and fair access to capital for historically underrepresented communities. The need for assistance has never been greater, and our commitment to provide all available resources to those who need it most has never felt stronger. Diana, can you explain NJEDA's efforts to reach the Hispanic business community in New Jersey and the services that we currently offer to Spanish-speaking folks who come to us for assistance? Thank you so much for that great question, Alberto. Hispanic businesses are vital to the entrepreneurial ecosystem within New Jersey. It's a vibrant community, and within the Hispanic small business community, we see some difficulties that obviously came with the impact of COVID and, you know, trying to envision and, and align ourselves with, with Governor Murphy's vision for a stronger and fairer recovery. We know that Hispanic small businesses are essential to this. And so throughout the pandemic, the EDA has played a very important role in supporting the Hispanic communities throughout the state, which have been hit especially hard with the pandemic. So as we see this, the EDA has approved more than 91,000 support awards for businesses impacted by COVID-19 for relief. Uh, we have done this through grants, low interest loans, financing guarantees, free business consulting, and also providing almost $650 million worth of pandemic release. So one third of this assistance was actually uh, provided to businesses that are self-identified as minority owned. And, and this further, you know, aligns with the mission that we have in, in this great state. So during the phase four of our grant program, uh, we were actually able to uh, specifically identify Hispanic or Latin owned small businesses during the application process and came to learn that one third of the minority owned businesses that received support identified as Latin or Hispanic owned. So it is great to see that such all of the work that has been done and sort of, you know, pay off in, in phase four and really help the Hispanic small business community get, get the financial relief that they need from this uh, pandemic that really, really uh, has created such 
horrible uh, challenges. So uh, some of the other great things that we've also done is partner with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Latin American Economic Development Association. Some of that work is to inform Hispanic business owners and the Hispanic community altogether of all of the COVID-19 relief programs and resources that the EDA has. So we really try to put as much information as we are out there, but through part, uh, as we have, but through partnership, we are able to accomplish much more. Some of the programs that we have at the EDA include the Small Business Emergency Assistance Grant Program, the Small Business Emergency Assistance Loan Program, PPP Access Program, Technical Assistance, Sustain and Serve NJ, our partnerships with some of the community development financial institutions, and most recently our Henry slash Ida Business Assistant Grant that is for small businesses who have been hurt during this last natural disaster that we had. So a lot of our programs really target some of these risk businesses, and we really want to be specific in in who we're targeting. So this also includes micro-businesses and minority and women-owned businesses, and some of the businesses that we have that are designated in the New Jersey Opportunity Zones. So we see within our Hispanic community that, you know, we want to have, be accessible when it comes to things such as a language and an application and information materials. So all of our COVID programs are available, uh, are, have been made in Spanish, and our applicants have the option to speak with someone in Spanish as needed. Along with Spanish, we also have 10 other languages that folks can have those materials translated to, or if they want to speak to someone, they can. So using that and also, you know, enlisting outside our marketing agencies that, that the marketing agencies themselves are women um, or minority owned, women and or minority owned small businesses. And so they do have a, a plethora of experience outreaching to traditionally underserved communities. So our focus is really to help Hispanic-owned businesses reopen safely and implement new strategies uh, so their business models can be more resilient and they're prepared for any other unexpected challenges we might have. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brother Anna. Like you say, uh, partnerships are key to getting uh, this information out to our communities and creating that access to the capital and the resources that we have available. Thank you, Diana. Monica. Thank you for being so patient. Uh, but as a small business owner in New Jersey, how were you able to navigate the ups and downs of the pandemic? And what are your short and medium-term plans to keep your business or businesses growing? Thank you so much for um, putting this call together because it's very instrumental in continuing to make everyone aware of what's out there to support small businesses. So our business is a brick and mortar facility where we teach our guests how to relieve some stress by throwing hatchets, right? So they come over to our location. We do a lot of team building work. We do work with a lot of corporations, a lot of small businesses, families, and people within the community um, to even help with fundraising. And we were, our our peak season is the, um, are the cold months. March being one of our best months of the year. We proactively shut down in March and did it before uh, everybody was mandated because we wanted to take care of our customers and our team. But we didn't realize, you know, when we first did it, that it was going to be a five-month shutdown. So with a brick and mortar, there wasn't much we could do outside of what we um, did in our facility. But what helped us succeed were the partnerships that we had with organizations such as the Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, 
the Somerset County Business Partnership, the chambers in the area. I grew up uh, being a daughter of immigrants. We were the silent generation. My parents, they had their own business in Newark, entrepreneurs as well. I learned from them. They were the silent generation. They were afraid to ask for help. And for them, I don't know if it had a lot to do with pride or fear, a combination of both, but the, you know, not asking for help. We quickly learned during the pandemic that that is not the way to go. We have to collaborate and work with others. And this is the, the new wave of the way entrepreneurs are going to succeed. So we closed our business, but we didn't, what helped us stay successful as a short-term plan during that closure was to eliminate stagnation. We were not going to let our business just sit there for five months. So we proactively worked on it. We upgraded the venue. We resealed our floors. We fixed our air filtration system. We worked in our bathroom. We, we did it on a budget. I mean, we, we spent some money making these upgrades legitimate, but we just did not want to let our, our business basically rot is, is what I initially thought was going to happen. So Shifting that moving that stagnation around as a business owner is very important. Not letting things fester is very important. Partnering with the, the chamber, you know, we worked with other entrepreneurs on conference calls almost on a weekly basis and we shared good information. We shared insights. We shared success stories. We shared failures. We did a lot of work together to collaborate and keep each other in a, in a very good mental state. And then So that was part of our short term plan. We refunded all of our customers. So the ones that put down deposits, we refunded everyone because we wanted them to know that we were going to be back when everything reopened again. And we wanted to be trustworthy people, wanted to give them back what I would have expected if I put down a deposit. So that short term term plan actually turned into a medium term plan because those customers respected us and really took care of us and now are all coming back um, to support us. We're continuing to grow. So I'm one to believe that stagnation is not a good thing. Thanks to the NJEDA, we were we were one of the companies or the businesses that received grant money to help us with that stagnation that we were avoiding during the pandemic. So that that very much helped us. The other the other thing is we're growing now. So we're expanding into different states. My husband and I are opening just to kind of have some diversity with businesses. We're opening locations in Florida. We just opened a location with a partner with partners in Brooklyn, and we are slated to open another location in Hudson County in 2022. So we're we're moving along. That's excellent to hear. I think the best part was to hear you say that your businesses are growing. So very glad as part of this team at the NJDA that is making this effort to uh, create greater access for Hispanic-owned businesses to hear that you were able to benefit from one of those programs. So that's excellent to hear. So finally, uh, this question, which is a three-part question, is for Luis, Ray, and Monica. So based on your vast knowledge and experience, what advice do you have for Hispanic entrepreneurs looking to start a business in New Jersey? What do they need to do as they prepare to embark on this journey? And what do you recommend they do to help their business thrive, not just survive? So we can start with you, Monica. Excellent. Thank you so much. So the one thing is I I would recommend rush. Don't be in such a rush. Think things through. It's slow and steady wins the race. Some organizations that can help 
are making sure that you sign up for the NJEDA to receive updates because there's always information and a lot of help coming through. You don't have to own a business yet to receive this information and to be educated on what's out there, as well as the SBDC here in New Jersey. They have so much insight and knowledge and um, advisors that do not charge you as a business owner to help you put together, you know, almost like a mentorship in a way where they can guide you and say, do you have this paperwork in order? Well, did you do this? It's an accountability method. And we have to be accountable when we're looking to open a business. We can't just piecemeal things. We have to do it right and have contingency plans and a plan. So luckily, you know, in our case, and it, it, some people did get hurt, but I, the year before the pandemic, I had a bit of a, a message to my husband and said, what are we going to do if the world were to shut down tomorrow? So we, you know, we started to save a little bit and work and not buy as many things as we wish we could buy just to have some money stored away. As a business owner, we have to have some type of access to capital. I speak with Luis about it and he always tells us, you know, make sure that you gain this access before you even need it. Have it ready before you even need it. And the other thing is just work, you know, just don't do it alone. Find mentors, connect with people, join chambers. Don't, you're not, you're not going to do this alone. You have to have people that are going to uh, collaborate and help you through the whole process. Very interesting. Very true advice. Thank you, Monica. Luis, do you want to go next? Can I make an editorial con like comment right now? Absolutely. I do believe that the best thing that the EDA did during the pandemic was to consider micro business separate from the other businesses and make that decision to give a lot of grants and small amounts of money because I think that now we know that we was the New Jersey was the ranked number three nationwide on assistance for a small business but that was crucial for a lot of small business especially on our communities and the other thing is that they consider restaurants in two different buckets depending on how many full-time employees that make a difference from our community and we will be forever grateful for doing that Now, the answer, I will say that networking, non-for-profits, uh, being part of a network is important. Sometimes when Ray and I, we say no, no means that it's not the right time or it's not the right uh, movement, right? Be patient, as, as Monica mentioned, because sometimes we say no because we know that is a better way to do it, right? We want to help you to start a business And actually, our goal will be to reduce the time and the money that you spend opening a business. Sometimes people come back to us and say, I did it. Yes, but you spent two years and too much money that was not needed if you just pay attention, right? The other thing is when, when we look to the pandemic, we realize that those that have access to a network, they have better results than those that did it. The lack of uh, uh, access to the digital uh, divide, basically the digital gap for our community business, they suffer a lot because they didn't get the information and they didn't know how to process the application. But thanks that the EDA partnered with many non-for-profit and many government agencies allow more people to access that information. And in our case, we did provide live assistance the day of the grant application That way we was able to answer those questions that people didn't have access to. 
But one thing that they have in common is that they have a strong network. They develop the relationship before they need it, and they listen. I mean, remember, we have two ears and one mouth. We need to use that proportionally. If we pay attention, I mean, in, in Spanish, we say that if you if you don't listen to the older, you won't be able to become an elderly, right? Is That's the reality. We need to listen because sometimes, or most of the time, especially those that are giving advice for free or at no cost, they always really care about you and your business. Those who can make money about it with the advice that they provide, they can make, I mean, other type of, of promises. But as we say, together we are stronger and we have the ability to recommend and to, to refer and to share those resources that are important for our community, those resources that are true. And I mean, through the pandemic, also as our organization, we grew because we didn't have the visibility that we uh, have during the pandemic because we started getting access to technology to spread the word to mass media to spread the word about the programs. And I think that that was what make a big impact on our communities. I just want to say thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to assist our, our community. And also thank you very much, NJEDA, for listening because we have multiple meetings. And I, as I always say, if, if you want something to happen at the NJEDA, you need to talk to at least 10 people but all of those 10 individuals, they used to pay attention to us and together we was able to make things happen for our community. Thank you for that advice, it's very important. And I can say firsthand that uh, we've seen the uh, support that you provide your members at the chamber. I'm sure it's the same uh, situation uh, with uh, Raymond Alaeda. It's so important to, to not just have that support, but create that network, right? Of support of uh, other maybe other entrepreneurs that can uh, that can advise you uh, as you start on this journey, right? Uh, to uh, to be a small business owner in New Jersey. So thank you so much for that advice, Ray. I'm going to give you the last word. So to build on Monica and, and Luis's comments, uh, we've all heard the phrase "ready, aim, fire," but for too many entrepreneurs, I I hear "fire, ready, aim," and the ammunition that they use is their capital and their time. And by the time they get to us and they've already burned up their capital and their time, they're struggling to come up with additional capital to fix the mistakes they made originally. So uh, one thing I advise is take the time to write a business plan. That is part of Laeda's mission mantra. Everything starts with the business plan. And once you have a good, well-researched business plan, build a strong foundation. Um, too many times I've come across entrepreneurs who got bad advice from a bookkeeper, a friend, an uncle, whatever, uh, where they, you know, their books weren't set up properly, their personnel records weren't set up properly, even their business records, uh, you know, their, their vendors and so on were not set up properly, and it just impeded their ability to grow. You know, as an example, I have a, had a client that had three, uh, three, three bodegas and he was poised to buy a small grocery store, a big market. And when we sat down to look at his finances and prepare, you know, a loan package, his records were not in, in enough in good shape to actually to quantify the actual income of that business to warrant the investment in the large market. So I had to explain him, well, we got to start over. We got to start from scratch and we got to rebuild your books and rebuild your business over the next couple of years to demonstrate to the banks, to the capital holders that you can build, you actually have a business that grows this, 
uh, and Warren to build this uh, grocery store. So over and over again, I find that in my experience, I find that 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 is the key. It's like good foundation, good business plan and work your plan. Right. It's one thing to write the business plan, but you got to work your plan as well. You know, Laya is an organization. We're here to help. Um, we don't we say we don't make a dime unless you make a dollar. Right. Uh, and it's, it's critical that, that that you are successful because starting small businesses in communities like Camden and, and Atlantic City and Bridgeton and Island really are the, the beginnings of the revitalization of those communities. And I'm sure it's very similar to uh, communities up north as well. So uh, that would I leave with that advice that get strong foundation, write that business plan. Absolutely. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Raymond. I, I thank you so much for your participation. And with that, you know, I'd like to thank uh, Luis de la Oz, uh, Raymond Lamboy, uh, Monica Martinez-Milan, and Diana Negron for participating in this great conversation. We appreciate everyone's time and wish you all a wonderful Hispanic Heritage Month. We'll be back next month with another episode of NJEDA's e-conversations.